Welcome to another episode of Pick 6. I am your host, David Crosby, joined here with Bradshaw Furlong behind the glass, bringing in, via the magic of the internet, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Can we hear you, buddy? Yes, yes. Can you guys hear me? Oh, loud and clear. The (laughs) satellites are beaming you right in here to the studio. This is a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, Nolan is in North Carolina today, so I am going to be your backup quarterback. I got the pat on the back, off the bench. Here I am. I'm going to try to be a little more Ryan Tannehill than Mason Rudolph (laughs) today. We'll see how that goes. Uh, We're going to get into all sorts of stuff today. The uh, AP All-Pro team was released. All of the coaching changes that have already happened and are looking like they might happen pretty soon and a record-breaking contract to Jeff's team in Chicago but we got to start with the wild card weekend one of my favorite weekends of the entire year we get football Saturday and Sunday how lucky are we let's start it off with the Bills and the Texans Uh, the Texans are favored by three points it is in Houston the big story of this game though J.J. Watt is returning from a pectoral injury suffered earlier in the season personally I didn't think he had any chance of coming back for this so I hope he's uh pretty close to 100% but I'll tell you what Houston needs JJ Watt because they have allowed 73 points combined in two straight losses to the Broncos and Titans the Bills have lost five straight playoff games their last win this is hard to believe December 30th 1995, 37 to 22 over Miami. But this year, the Bills have been pretty good. They are six and two on the road. They allow just 15 and a half points per game against those opponents. That's second best after the Patriots. I don't know how the, this is a pretty wild game, a toss up to me. Jeff, I'm going to go over to you first. Who do you think comes out in, on top in this one? You know, Crosby, I've gone back and forth with pretty much all these teams. And, you know, it seems that just about every visiting team in these entire playoffs seems like some of the stronger teams that, we, that we've seen. And matchup-wise, you look at it, you think to yourself, you know, what do you, what do you need to do to beat the Texans? I mean, ideally, you'd like to, you know, keep the ball on the ground, keep Deshaun Watson off the field, you know, use that great defense you have. But I think with J.J. Watt coming back, that could change a lot. And, you know, I did did a little little research here. This is not uh, from me. This is from the ringer, actually. Josh Allen under pressure, 7.1 yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns, 5 picks. Under pressure, 5.4 yards per attempt, 5 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. So if J.J. Watt can get after uh, Josh Allen and make him move, make him scramble, I think that that changes uh, the Bills' offense and what they can do because, you know, realistically, I think if you let Josh Allen just stand there in the pocket and dice you up, I, th- I think that this Texans defense doesn't really have much else going for it. So I, I would favor the Bills still because we really don't know how healthy J.J. Watt is. Well, yeah, Josh Allen is significantly better against weak pass defenses. Right now, against bottom 10 pasties, he has 11 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, and a 62% completion rate, which might not sound impressive, but that's a lot higher than his career average. He's sort of a boomer bust type quarterback. Bradshaw, do you think J.J. Watt is going to make enough of an impact on this defense to uh, stop Josh Allen? I think he's gonna obviously he's gonna help them a lot, not just with his pass rush, but also taking up a lot of a lot of attention on the from the Bills O line, opening things up for the rest of the defense and the rest of that pass rush. But I think it really does come down to Josh Allen if he can take advantage of a weak pass defense and really just keeping Deshaun Deshaun Watson off the field. To me, the biggest like the biggest matchup of this whole weekend for me is Trey White versus DeAndre Hopkins. 
that's going to be such a fun matchup to watch. And I really do. I favored for me. I favored Trey White in that matchup. I think he's going to relish another, you know, another chance to show himself on national television against a primetime receiver. And I, I, to me, I favor the Bills in this matchup because they take away what the Texans like to do best, which is throw deep down the field. They're two elite safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. I think they're going to really shut down the Texans offense. I have the Bills in this one for sure. Wow, I love it. Both of you guys going with the Bills kind of against the tide there a little bit. Not just the spread, but uh, Nolan had uh, had the Bills actually losing this, or excuse me, winning this game as well, 23-18. to He trusts the Buffalo team a little bit more than Houston, which is kind of what you guys are saying. They're, they're mm-hmm. pretty unpredictable week to week. Obviously, nobody knows what to expect from J.J. Watt. I'm the lone guy here. I'm a little bit surprised about that. I'm going to go with Houston in this game. I think DeAndre Hopkins, and Deshaun Watson are enough game breakers to pull out this win. I'm thinking 24-20, something like that. But I will say, my heart wants me to cheer for the Bills. <laughs> I want the Bills to win so badly. I don't know. We'll see what happens. A great way to kick off the weekend. And then, of course, in the second game on Saturday, the surprising Tennessee Titans are four-and-a-half-point underdogs in in New England against the Patriots, if you wrote this, if somebody came to me at the start of this season and said, I'm from the future, wild card weekend, the Patriots are going to be favored by four and a half against the Titans, I don't know if I would have believed that. This is one of the best stories in football right now. The Titans as a franchise, they played five fewer postseason games than Tom Brady alone. That is staggering. Forget history, though. This is a brand new Titans team. Ryan Tannehill, in 10 games this year, he has 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, and Derrick Henry has exploded as one of the best running backs in the entire league. He's averaging five yards a carry, 16 touchdowns to just three fumbles. I'll tell you what, there's this little voice inside my head, though, and it's telling me, do not forget playoff Brady and Bill Belichick because those guys are the two best in the business at playing and scheming at their absolute best when it matters most. I think the Pats pull out a win here, 30-24, a little closer than maybe some would have guessed. Bradshaw, you know the Patriots pretty well. Do you think they're getting a win this weekend? It's really, this is a really, really hard game for me to pick because I have not liked the Patriots offense the last, no one has liked the Patriots offense the last few weeks. They've been just horrendous offensively, and that starts with Tom Brady. He's not looked good. He's really showing his age at this point, and they're starting to see the cliff that everyone's been talking about with a that Peyton Manning hit, and you haven't seen Drew Brees hit it yet, but he'll eventually hit it too. That older quarterback, they just hit a they hit a cliff and they just fall off, and you're starting to see that a little bit. But like you said, there's no better team for scheming against someone and shutting what a team shutting down what a team does best than the New England Patriots. I just don't know how you shut down Derrick Henry at this point. He's so good. No one wants to stop. No one wants to tackle Derrick Henry. I don't think anybody can stop Derrick Henry the way he's playing right now. Stephon Gilmore will get the matchup against A.J. Brown. He should be able to neutralize A.J. Brown and how great of a season he's had. No one's really talking about him for Offensive Rookie of the Year. kind of snuck up on you late in the season, but I'm going to go with the upset. I think I have to pick the Titans in this game. I just don't see the Patriots offense scoring enough points to keep up with them. If they don't get an early lead, it's going to be very hard for them to play from behind 
especially when Tennessee can just run the ball basically at will, it seems. Well, uh, that's absolutely shocking to hear you uh, pick the <laughs> Titans over the Patriots. But, hey, you, you know, you've seen this team week in and week out, and I think everybody's been a little concerned, especially lately. The Patriots just 4-3 and three in the last seven weeks, in case any of you have been tuning out the last half of this season. I don't know. Tom Brady looked too good in that Buffalo game to me. It, it kind of reignited my faith in this team, but you made a great point with Derek Henry. Henry, this Patriots defense is built from their secondary forward, and a great secondary does not help you against Derrick Henry. So they're going to need some unsung heroes to come up big in this game. Jeff, who do you think comes out here? You know, uh, it's interesting because I think, you know, it's, uh, he's, he's kind of quietly become essentially the, the best ever, you know, disciple of Bill Belichick at this point. And I'm talking about Mike Vrabel, of course. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, the Tennessee Titans have finished 9-7 and seven in the last four years. The difference in this year, though, their point differential is 71. They have a positive point differential of 71 points over their opponents. And you can see it on the field. Like, they've been very, very impressive. So it's not exactly, you know, a typical 9-7 and seven team. They're not really just scraping by everybody. I think Tannehill's really, you know, lit a fire under this team. And Derrick Henry, obviously, like you guys have both mentioned, is great. I also just think... Um, the thing that kind of makes me teeter on this is like, you know, it's a, it's a, going to be a bad weather game. And you usually favor the Patriots in this one, but not when Tom Brady is playing, in my eyes, this bad. I just don't – I don't see it. You know, and I love Tom Brady. I really do. I love him to death. But this – I just don't think this is it. I don't think this is the year. I don't think he's got the weapons around him. I don't think his line is there. I don't think that they're going to be able to, to stop Derrick Henry. I think that this team is going to be looking to blitz – you know, uh, blitz the Tennessee Titans like they have all year. Just go all man, all, all you know, single man coverage kind of thing on these guys, and basically just you know try and beat them skill for skill. And I really, I really wonder if um, if they if they really can do that in this one. I kind of expect this one to be a low scoring one, to be honest with you, but one where you know. It's going to be reminiscent in some ways, like like in terms of dominance, like of that uh, that Baltimore Ravens game where the Baltimore Ravens came to the Patriots, and I think it was actually at the start of this, uh, uh, excuse me, start of the last decade, excuse me, uh, where they kind of just completely shut down Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense. So I'm going for the Titans in this one. You're you're going to start to see a theme here for my picks. Oh man, I I love it. I there would be nothing greater than to watch Tennessee win. And you hit the nail on the head there with Mike Vrabel. He is the wild card in this game right now. Nolan said the only thing he cared about in this game is that Mike Vrabel knows Bill Belichick and the Patriots. If any coach can be well prepared for a playoff game, it's Mike Vrabel against this New England side. Despite that, though. Nolan still had New England squeaking out 20 to 15. So we're split on this game, three and one in the Bills' favor in the early one. So Saturday is going to be absolutely wild, which primes us up for an amazing Sunday matchup between the Vikings and the Saints. I wish Nolan was here so I could see his face when he saw that the Vikings were eight point underdogs in New Orleans. That is just disrespectful, man. Like the Seahawks, one and a half point favorites, the Patriots, four and a half, the Texans, three, and then the Saints, eight point favorites. It seems like nobody is giving uh, the Vikings a chance right now. Do either of you have any faith that they can pull out a win here? Crickets, uh, folks. I, Crickets. I, I really don't. I, I You know, at points... You know, I, I really, you know, I love, I love uh, what Dalvin Cook can do. 
But at the same time, man, this this Saints defense is just so deep. I just I trust them to be able to hold nearly any offense, even as you know, as talented as the Minnesota Vikings is. I think it's actually I would say that their offense, in my eyes, is a bit more talented than their defense. To be entirely honest with you, uh, but I just don't think that it's gonna it's gonna be a great matchup. And I also think you know we're seeing one of the best receivers of all time in this game, and Drew Brees is such an aggressive quarterback. Whenever he he, he you know the thing is about him and Michael Thompson, pretty much any great combination he's had is that he's just gonna go for it he's gonna go for it every single time and it just seems like Michael Thomas will come down with every ball thrown to him and I don't see who on the Minnesota Vikings can stop Michael Thomas from catching a football yeah, you're absolutely right. Michael Thomas is finally getting the respect that he deserves this season. Obviously, getting that receptions record kind of put him in the spotlight a little bit. We'll talk about his all-pro selection a little bit later on in the show. So, Jeff, you took the Saints. I have the Saints squeaking it out 31-27. Nolan picked the Saints as well <laughs> over his own beloved Minnesota Vikings. Nolan. Do you not believe in Kirk Cousins, man? What is the deal here? I, I don't know. I'm ashamed you didn't <laughs> roll with the Vikings, man. Come on. Change that pick before Sunday. Bradshaw, do we have a sweep? Oh, it's a clean sweep. I, th- to me, if they're not the best team in the NFL, they're easily the best team in the NFC right now. The Saints are playing at the highest level, I think, of any team in football right now. And Jeff said it. No one can guard Michael Thomas on that team. I don't think anybody in the NFL right now can guard Michael Thomas. So... I think they'll be able to slow down Delvin Cook. They have a fantastic uh, rush defense, and Drew Brees has not thrown a pick in his last five games. He is on fire right now, so it's a clean sweep. I think the Saints are winning this one, no problem. Well, hopefully that game is a little closer than we all think it's going to be. I I think a lot of this is going to come down to the individual matchups here. Like, the Saints have the 7th-ranked passing offense. The Vikings, 23rd-ranked pass defense. The Vikings, on the other hand, 6th-ranked rushing offense. They get Dalvin Cook back this week, hopefully at 100%, against the 6th, kind of of middle-of-the-pack rush defense. So, obviously, the Vikings are going to need to do something special on defense to come out with a win this week. Their head coach said as much. He said, I believe that this defense is going to come through and get us this victory. They've got their hands full with the Saints. But I'll tell you what, this next game, I have absolutely no idea what to expect when the Seahawks face off against the Eagles. This might be the last man standing, king of the hill, table and ladders match. I don't care what you call it. The last guy to be standing and healthy on this field might just walk off with the win. Seattle has 26 players combined between their IR and their injury report. Philadelphia has 16. And I mean, you know how devastated Philadelphia's lineup is. To think that Seattle has 10 more players than Philadelphia injured, that's basically a full roster between these two teams of injured players right now. I'm so excited to see Marshawn Lynch make his return, though, for Seattle. If there is some small little bright spot in all of this, it's getting one last chance to see Marshawn Lynch I want to know is he going to be distracting enough for Wilson to carve up the defense because let's be honest this game is going to come down to Russell Wilson against Carson Wentz yeah, I, I think, to me, I agree with you. I think this is the closest game, only because of the injuries. I think fully healthy, I would still go with the Seahawks over the Eagles. And I think this really does come down to Tyler Lockett being, if not fully healthy, then he's very close to fully healthy. We saw that last week. And I think that's going to be the main difference in this game. If he wasn't, if he was, you know, like 50% or wasn't playing at all, then I think this is a much closer game than, than people give it credit for. But 
I, I don't see this. I don't see the Eagles coming out with, especially with all the injuries they have on offense. Miles Sanders will play. That's huge for them, especially with what he can do receiving. But Ertz might not play. Lane Johnson might not play, and we already know Brandon Brooks is out for this game as well. They have no options on offense, and if Zach Ertz isn't playing, they have even fewer options on offense. I, I don't see the Eagles being able to keep up with the Seahawks. Yeah, it's really tough. Lane Johnson seems the most likely of all of those players to be back and mm-hmm. remotely healthy enough to play in this game. Jeff, what do you think? I think if Jadavian Clowney is on the field, if at all, he didn't participate in, in practice. But uh, if, if he's on the field, I think it's pretty much all, it's all over. But if not, then, man, get ready to see the Russell Wilson show throughout these playoffs. You know, I think I think this could actually be like, you know, I mean, he's already a star, but this could be like one of those moments where people really start to talk about Russell Wilson because I think, you know, he can get a win here in Philadelphia. I think he can go on the road and be honestly, I think he could beat either the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. We'll obviously talk about that in a week, but I really do think it's pretty much coming down to him. And again, if Jadavion Clowney is not there, then just a little bit more pressure on him. But I just think that overall, the Philadelphia Eagles are just they're not a, they're not a great football team. I would actually take the Tennessee Titans over them if they could possibly match up together to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jeff. You know I encourage any and all Eagles slander whenever possible. <laughs> so, yeah, g- great job on that. Uh, we all ended up picking the Seahawks here. I have them 34-24. I think Wilson is going to carve up this Philadelphia defense. It was painful for me to watch the Dallas Cowboys lose that uh, basically ultimate game of the season, even though it did come down to the last week. When they lost to that, basically the practice squad in Philadelphia, you knew they were not going to make the playoffs. I think Wilson is going to go deep. Bradshaw, like you said, Lockett could be huge in this game for Seattle. And uh, Nolan was right there with a Seattle 27 to 18. So we have sweeps in both games on Sunday. Now tune back in next week because we're going to go through the playoff matches after the fact and then what you can look forward to in the next full first round of the playoffs. But let's get to some happy news here. I wish I could just, you know, play the music that I don't have the rights to, but man, it is a beautiful world when I wake up and Jason Garrett is out. It is not exactly official. I don't want to <laughs> jinx anything, but reports out of ESN ESPN are Jason Garrett is gone and the clouds have parted. I at this point I don't even care who they hire as head coach to be honest with you. I know they're going to be an improvement. I will say though, I am a little jealous of Washington and it's been a long time since Washington has had anything that anyone could be jealous of. But that Ron Rivera hiring for the Redskins I think could not have been a better fit. And now word is Carolina's interim offensive coordinator Scott Turner is interviewing for the Skins open job at offensive coordinator. So he might join his old boss Riverboat Ron in Washington. Bradshaw, what does this move do do for Washington as a franchise? For Washington as a franchise, well, first of all, I'd, I'd like to say it, it's weird that we're starting the playoffs on uh, Thanksgiving, as Dan, Dan Snyder <laughs> apparently thinks it is. I, does, does he does he own a calendar? Uh, wasn't that brutal? <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if he was trying to make like some sort of a pun with like the whole understand. Washington yeah. Redskins Thanksgiving. Like I, I didn't or, like, get he's it. He's thankful for getting Ron Rivera, maybe. Like that's I, the only thing I can come up with. But it just it fell so flat on. I, like, I guess a billion everybody. dollars doesn't buy you a sense of humor or Apparently a clue. Not. I don't know. 
I think what this brings, though, for the for the Washington organization is just stability, and I think that's mostly what they need right now, especially out of their head coach, is stability. And you've heard all the reports out of Carolina with how great of a person Ron Rivera is, and that's really, I think, what the the Washington franchise needs the most right now is a good person and a great leader. Forget like the the schemes and everything, which I I do respect Ron Rivera as a X's and O's guy as well, but as a person, I think that's what this organization needs more than anything right now is just someone who isn't a laughingstock and who's someone that the fans and the media there can take seriously. No disrespect to Jay Gruden. I think he was put in a bad spot with a really bad roster, especially the last couple seasons, but this is such a huge change of pace to what they've had in the past, and I think this is going to be great for them. I don't wish success for Dan Snyder, but I think he might actually have some with hiring Ron Rivera. Well, Jeff, you've been watching Matt Nagy coach your team into the ground. Are you a little jealous of this hiring too? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, Ron Rivera was the guy on the market, right? And he, he, like you said, Bradshaw, he's just a a coach well known for, you know, getting a good relationship, getting a rapport with not just the players, but the whole organization, right? And he did such a great job there in Carolina. I cannot believe, honestly, that they let him go. I mean, it could be one of the situations where it's like, yeah, we just want to change. But honestly, that seems so ridiculous to me because of how steady he kept the Carolina Panthers for so long with a roster that just really... You know, okay, yes, you have a few superstars. You got Luke Keekley, you got Cam Newton, who was routinely getting injured nearly every single season. But he, you know, he he really did a great job, I think, with that organization, taking them to a Super Bowl, making them a really tough team to beat that that one year. And you know, it's honestly, it's a shocking hire to me uh, for the Redskins. I did not believe that they would actually go for someone who is not a complete and utter cancer to their organization. And, you know, it's funny that earlier this year, I know we were talking about the the worst franchise in the, in the NFL. And I think we listed the Redskins as one of those ones that really was not even trying to win. But with this, they might just be proving us all wrong. Yeah, d- no, you said that 100%, right? I couldn't have been more surprised when this was announced. Not that the Redskins were able to evaluate an actual good coaching talent, but that that good coach actually wanted to come to Washington. This was really, really surprising. I'm sure he's going to have his fingerprints all over this roster construction in the coming years, and they're going to have a really nice high pick to build around on this team. But let's go over to Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. After what happened last season, you talk about surprising. He walked away from the Indianapolis Colts after he had already accepted the job. I'm surprised that teams are basically falling all over themselves to, you know, interview him in whatever he coined it, his interview day or whatever this nonsense is that, you know, the uh, that includes the Panthers, the Browns, the Giants. This is maybe even the most shocking bombshell of the whole thing. Ian Rappaport said the Browns are Josh McDaniel's dream job. <laughs> what, what is this a nightmare? What is it, what is this guy talking about? Why would he ever want to go to Cleveland? Well, from what I remembered before the before the draft a couple of years ago, the Patriots were reportedly very high on Baker Mayfield and to the fact that they were wanting to work him out, but he didn't want to go work out and they thought it was a waste of time because they were so far down in the draft. But they told him they might trade up for him because they loved him that much, and that's Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels loves Baker Mayfield. Apparently, I don't I don't know him, but from what everything we've read and everything I've been able to read about Josh McDaniels, especially pre-draft, he loves Baker Mayfield, and he really wants to you know be like a, basically an adult and kind of set this team straight and kind of figure out Baker Mayfield's issues. I don't think this is a job that I'd. Well, I don't think I'd ever make this my dream job. As much as you love that quarterback, I don't know if you can trust 
basically the entire organization to be stable enough or just the fact that it's the Cleveland Browns and you don't know if you're if it's just if it's a curse at this point they had all this talent this year and they still couldn't get it done so that's the main I think the main reason why he considers this his dream job is that he loves Baker Mayfield so so much but I don't know if that's a good enough reason does this give you faith that Bill Belichick might be staying longer in New England than a lot of people thought I, I don't know. I still am not sure why he, why Josh McDaniels walked away from the Colts job. There were two main reasons. There were two main theories that were floated out. One was that they basically named him the heir to Bill Belichick, and he was going to take over for Bill Belichick when he retired. The other was that he actually found out that Andrew Luck's injuries were worse than he thought before he took over, and that kind of scared him away. I, if this is, if he's interviewing for more jobs, and I don't think he's going, I don't think he was ever going to be the heir to Bill Belichick. I don't. I'm, I think maybe it ended up being all the luck injuries and everything like that. But I, I, it does give me hope that Bill Belichick stays around. I think that should give hope for a lot of people just to see a great coach still coach for as long as he can. But it, it's going to be a weird, weird time for New England when they don't have Josh McDaniels with maybe, a bad offense already. Maybe McDaniels couldn't stop uh, staring at Steve Belichick over his shoulder and <laughs> thinking, that's the heir apparent right there. It's not going to be me. <laughs> Jeff, are you as surprised as me that all these teams still want McDaniels after what he did last year? NFL teams are dumb, so not entirely. <laughs> no, uh, you know they're they're always gonna go for for things that are not safe things. They're always just gonna you know take 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 a flyer on guys. And you know, uh, to be fair to them though, Josh McDaniels I think is a really talented offensive mind. We saw what he could do in Denver with a few talented pieces around him. And I think on paper the Browns, you know, would be a more talented team for sure. I think Carolina definitely has the potential to be there. I think they have a bit more depth in Cleveland as well. And, you know, I, I, I would love to see Josh McDaniels get another chance, to be honest with you. And personally, David, I would like to see that with the Cleveland Browns. I would just love to see the Browns finally, you know, come up from under this curse or whatever is going on with them, the, you know, the snake bite that they've been, that they've been dealt with. And, I would, I would absolutely love to see it. But just what you guys were talking about, you know, about Bill Belcher, just to hit on that, it's isn't it the weirdest thing to see that dude on a however many part series with the NFL just talking to guys and speaking as a part of the media when he all he does is just give the media nothing but like a hard day at the office. But oh. that's that's his thing though. He loves just he loves old football. If you if there's one thing Bill Belichick loves more than special teams football, it's old time NFL football. Those are his two greatest loves. If you ask him any of those questions about special teams or old time football, you will get the biggest answer. You will get a long form paragraph from uh, Bill Belichick on just be, uh, on any subject. Well, speaking, that, would, so, that, would that make you think that he might want to go into the media so, at some point and then, you know, McDaniel's job would, would be up for the taking? Or or could you imagine if he thinks to himself, hmm, Brady's slowing down. This is the perfect time to solidify <laughs> my legacy and just, you know, prove all the haters wrong and go on like another five or six years with like a terrible quarterback at the helm. I think I mean I don't think he'd be a, a member of the media. I think he'd be more. I think you would give him an NFL historian job. And I think he would just love that. I think that would he'd be perfect to just do that for the rest of his life. But I, I think he might have the ego to just maybe take Andy Dalton as Bart Scott suggested earlier today and as the future quarterback <laughs> of the New England Patriots and just take that for five years and see how many years he can make the playoffs with Andy Dalton at quarterback. If he if he turns around Andy Dalton and makes him <laughs> into like a Pro Bowl player or like makes a deep Super Bowl run with him, I, I don't know. The rest of the league should just give up. <laughs> Anyways, let's go to another uh, former Patriot. That would be head coach Matt Patricia of the Detroit Lions. And the ground is collapsing around him right now. His defensive coordinator and offensive line coach both stepped down 
is this a make or break season for Patricia? Because personally, I actually thought he coached pretty well this year. Uh, I was, you know, uh, big time against him at the start of the season. I, I wasn't impressed at all with him his first year in Detroit, but I thought they lost some close games. I thought they were unlucky to lose a few of those games. And with the injuries that they had to Matthew Stafford and on Johnson, I thought he's done a pretty good job. Do you think it's playoffs or you're fired? Yeah, I, I, I would say I would say so. I'd say especially I think for him, it's getting that defense turned around. If you're known as defensive mind, you can't have a defense that was the worst in the NFL in terms of yards. But yeah, I, I think he was pretty unlucky, as you said, to lose to you know once Matthew Stafford went down. I think they won what zero and eight when Matthew Stafford went out and not having carry on Johnson, losing Marvin Jones at the end of the year as well. I think that was just a tough break for him. I think he's still a decent coach, but it looks bad on him when he's a defensive head when he's a defensive first mind. And your defense is the worst in the NFL. No matter if you have those injuries or not, you should still have a competent defense if that's what you're known for. And they had the worst defense. They didn't have a bad defense. They had the worst defense. So, Jeff, Detroit comes calling. Uh, Mrs. Ford on the line here for Jeff. Uh, Straight swap. Matt Patricia for Matt Nagy. What do you think? You making the jump? No chance. Not no no chance in hell. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Not even thinking about it. Actually, uh, no. I I can't. Um, yeah, it's like kind of what, like what Bradshaw said. Matt Patricia was supposed to be this great defensive mind coming out of New England. You know, he was supposed to be the guy calling all the plays in New England. Look at them. They're just they're doing just fine on defense without him. And his defense has not shown up. I will give him credit though. Like you said, Crosby, he has done a lot better this season. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, I'm kind of surprised that the uh, the Detroit Lions didn't pull the plug on the Matt Patricia experiment there a little early. But, you know, good for them sticking with them. I do believe most head coaches should get at least three years. And, and you're right, you know, Matthew Stafford not being there, Karrion Johnson not being there, like you said, Bradshaw, like that's that's a really tough hand to be dealt. And I think, you know, with a few good picks, you know, adding another receiver with this very deep uh uh, class of receivers that's coming up here, you could do you could do a lot with that team. So I think sticking with them for another year is, is the right move. Yeah, they they are really amazing at drafting wide receivers there in Detroit. I don't know what what's in the water or whether they have this one super scout in the building, but they seem to pluck a a really, really good receiver out of the draft every single year. Guys you've never heard of are suddenly appearing on top 10 lists across the league. And Jeff, let's stay on Chicago here for a quick second, though. They may not have made a head coaching change, but they made Eddie Jackson the NFL's highest paid safety with a four-year $58 million extension with $33 million in guarantees. So I want to know, after watching what Minka Fitzpatrick did for that defense in Pittsburgh and watching Eddie Jackson this season, can a safety really be worth that much money? Well, listen, if you guys have ever had a chance to argue with me on how important a safety is, you will know my answer to that question is absolutely yes. Safeties are by far, in my eyes, the most important and most valued position on your entire defense because they're so rare in terms of how good they can actually get. Like, there's so few guys that are as talented as Eddie Jackson, who in my eyes is really, you know, in that mold of uh, kind of like an Earl Thomas or an Ed Reed type. I'm not I'm definitely not saying he's going to be as good as Ed Reed. I'm not saying that, but he is an excellent ball hawk. You know, last season when the defense was 
actually playing really well and Khalil Mack was, you know, getting getting to the quarterback nearly every single snap. You know, Eddie Jackson was really thriving. He was just a pick magnet. He was incredible last season. And I know I'm getting my Eddie Jackson jersey now, now that I know he's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. I'm pumped about it. I think that this is an amazing deal for the Bears. They really need to lock him down because we know that, like, as far as the Bears go, this is kind of, you know, this is your window here, really. And, you know, you know, I can't believe that they didn't attend Colin Kaepernick's uh, workout, but hopefully they'll be looking at him or some other quarterback because this team is, is, is you know, they have the talent. They're, they're built to make a playoff push, and they need that guy back there. And, you know, letting Adrian Amos go was, I mean, fair. I think it was fair, but, like, man, you can see what it's done, you know, not having a great guy back there, so you can't lose both of them. Well, speaking about that window, that's exactly how I looked at this deal. I think Chicago is just trying to maximize how good their team is with uh, Khalil Mack's best remaining years. But I want to know, Jeff, is he good enough to take over a leadership position on a great defense when Mack's prime ends? Or is this just about, you know, like you said, maximizing this window? Uh, I think I definitely think he can maximize the window for 100%. But I think, yeah, I think it's more than that. I think he can be a leader on this defense. You know, you see it too with uh, Keem Hicks. You know, going down for some time this year, and he's not he's not getting any younger. Obviously, he's a defensive lineman, so I'm not totally concerned by by his age as much as another another t- uh, type of player. But I actually do think that he could lead this defense. I think he can be one of the guys that you look to, and they also have a lot of other blossoming stars there too. So. In my eyes, keeping probably the best safety, best free safety in the NFL in the next couple of years, Eddie Jackson. You know, you you, you have to do that. You absolutely have to make that call. Well, Bradshaw, you're uh, you probably have the best secondary in the entire NFL in New England. How important is a safety to you in a great defense? I won't go as far to say that they're the most important part of the defense. I think I've seen enough Stephon Gilmore and Darrell Revis and Ty Law and. Asante Samuel over the last few years to understand how important a cornerback is compared to a safety, but there's no disrespect to safeties. I think they're a very important part to the de- a very important part of the defense. I just have I really just my main question for Jeff though is, do you believe Eddie Jackson should be the highest paid safety in the NFL? Because I mean we're gonna we'll get to it in a second, but he didn't even get an All Pro vote this year. Yeah, you know he did. He I I I can understand where you're coming from from there, Bratch. I think you know looking at the other guys, there, there was a lot of great safeties this year actually. And just looking at who got picked, I mean, that's that's really tough competition. But I think in terms of what you're getting, you know, what's the main thing you're looking for in a safety, especially in this day and age of the NFL, and it's pass coverage and turnovers. And I think he offers that more than any other, uh, excuse me, any any other safety in the NFL. I think he makes your corners about a billion times better as well. Not that the other guys don't. I, I, I do think they do. And I think, obviously, Eddie Jackson, I don't think he's, necessarily the best open field tackler or the or he's, he's never going to be a great run stopper or he's never going to have that you know he's never going to lay the boom like cam chancellor did up in, uh, in seattle but i think that if you're looking at you know the best covered safety in the nfl for the next like however long he's going to st- stick around at his prime i think i think it's going to be eddie jackson i really do and i'm not saying that just because i'm a bears fan well, I'll tell you what, it might not be $33 million guaranteed, but somebody else got paid today as well, and that would be Richard Sherman. His second team selection to the All-Pro gave him a $2 million bonus. This is his fifth appearance on the AP's All-Pro list, and I mean, what a story. Richard Sherman betting on himself. He got cut by the Seahawks uh, after tearing his ACL. He The next day, I believe, he signed a three-year contract 
with San Francisco that was heavily incentive-laden, and I think he picked up actually $5 million total uh, dollars in bonuses this year. I mean, guys, w- what do you think about Richard Sherman betting on himself and, and succeeding probably more than anyone could have imagined he would coming back from such a terrible injury? I, I mean, I'm I'm super pumped for Richard Sherman. I, I've always liked him as a corner. I've always loved his attitude. And, and you know, he's he's been a really key part of the San Francisco defense. And I'm so happy to, to see him come back because it was really looking like he would not even return to, like, not even half of what he of what he was in Seattle. And, you know, a lot of people, too, always thought, you know, maybe it was the scheme. Could he ever really be, you know, that, that you know, that lockdown corner? People start to doubt him, actually, I think even after the first Super Bowl win. And, you know, he... He's, he's really done a great job proving all the haters wrong once again. Yeah, uh, I, I I think he's still one of the top three corners in the NFL. Uh, I, I think I think obviously this proves it. And I think it, it's great to see someone, like you said, Jeff, with that kind of attitude who really, he believed in himself and you knew he believed in himself with the way he handled, with the way he carried himself. And it's always good to see as many good NFL players as there are in the NFL. There are, It's good to see just everyone succeed. You, you, you can have your opinions on Richard Sherman as a person, but... It's good to see, you know, elite players staying elite for as long as they can. And there was a few more elite players that kind of rose to prominence this season. There was actually 14 first-time All-Pros that would either be making their first first-team roster or first All-Pro altogether. So you had likely MVP Lamar Jackson. The face of fantasy football along with him was Christian McCaffrey, of course. They made their first of many first team all pros to come I'm sure Christian McCaffrey of course the third running back to get a thousand rushing and a thousand receiving yards in a season he actually got two first team slots for running back and flex position Uh, Michael Thomas and Stephon Gilmore were the two unanimous selections Thomas racked up the single season receptions that I mentioned earlier and Gilmore of course best player on the best defense guys what are your thoughts on this roster notable people missing something you like somebody you know you were happy to see on there to finally get their credit I was a little so sorry I was a little surprised that Lamar Jackson wasn't one of the unanimous picks as well I know obviously Russell Wilson had a fantastic season and you can't take that away from him but I I thought Lamar Jackson was an obvious uh, unanimous first team all pro I think uh, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Shaquille Barrett didn't get the top vote for edge rusher or Cameron Jordan because, you know, I, I get like, you know, when you're talking about an edge rusher, you, you're most thinking of pass rush, but you also need to be, I think, you, you know, look at some, you know, run run defense as well. And Cam Jordan, I think, has to be has to be up there as well as far as far as I go. I mean, overall, I don't think they made too many mistakes. And, and to be honest with you. No, yeah, and and I just want to go back to uh, what you said there, Bradshaw. I actually couldn't believe Lamar Jackson wasn't unanimous either. I'm going to be a little surprised if he's not the unanimous MVP because, let's be honest, the Ravens are the best and the scariest team in the NFL right now. He is the best player on that team and the best player in the league. I I think it's hard to argue with that. So, yeah, you're you're right on. I I think he he deserved to be a unanimous selection. One person, I don't want to bang this drum too much, but I do think Darren Waller should have got consideration for the second team tight end spot there. I mean, I do understand, you know, you get George Kittle and Travis Kelsey on there. Kelsey's fantastic, but I just think Waller had a better season than he did. I would have liked to see him get a little credit there. Yeah, Waller didn't even get, he, I have the full, like, the voting and everything here in front of me. He didn't even get a vote for the uh, tight end position. There was It was just Kittle and Kelsey that got votes there. 
He got a vote. He got one vote for the flex position, which I thought was a little strange. Just but just looking at some of the random guys that got votes. Julian Edelman got a vote for receiver. Julian Edelman, all pro I not this year. No, yeah, that that that's almost yeah yeah something's wrong. Somebody uh, somebody's <laughs> getting paid under the table there. I don't know. Yeah, there are a couple. Guys, the only other two guys, like aside from the guys that got named to the All Pro team, so Thomas Hopkins, Jones, and Godwin. It was Edelman and Galladay that got votes for receiver, one each. And then the other ones st- that stuck out to me at corner, the four guys, so you know Gilmore, White, Sherman, and Peters, and then Marshawn Lattimore got a vote. I don't think he'd, I, I mean, I know he played a little bit better in the second half of the season, but I don't think that's all pro level. No, I, I totally agree. Jeff, anything else stand out to you before we get out of here? I mean, if you're talking about unanimous votes, is George Kittle not like like far and away the best tight end? Did he, did he not get a unanimous vote? No, no, he did not. No, yeah, and I, and I agree with you there, too. I think he, you know, as much as I love Darren Waller, he's not George Kittle. And, you know, Kittle was the one guy week in and week out in San Francisco. They had a, you know, bit of a revolving door with injuries. But I agree. He was the staple that carried that offense, uh, you know, outside of their multi-tiered run game. Yeah, I think I think Kittle was just such a beast. Like, he's almost, you know, Gronk 2.0, but he's just faster. He's also, like surprisingly strong and even like you know the the block against that i i can't remember the name of the linebacker but i think it was a, a an atlanta falcons linebacker who he just crushed and then he just maniacally laughing after i mean that guy's that guy's the best and and really i think he's going to be the key for the san francisco to, san francisco 49ers to move on in, in these playoffs at all well, that's going to do it here for us on this episode of Pick 6. Nolan Kangas, we missed you, buddy. Hopefully, we carried the torch for you all right. Everyone, do not forget football on Saturday this weekend. We'll catch you early next week and go into all of the upcoming playoff matchups. <laughs>